The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. Lembet Opic on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome back to the third hour of Lembit OPIC show here on TNT. Thank you for being with me. The time does go very fast. I hope you're finding it interesting. I, for one, was absolutely fascinated by the contribution of my previous guest, uh, Francis O'Neill, and we dug deep into a subject I hadn't originally intended to cover, which is the question of technology, consciousness, and control of human beings. Inevitably, we were talking about things like the Matrix and and other aspects of mind-bending and mind-altering tech, which might already be with us. I will come back to that as well. Also, we were talking about the way that we're controlled in a much more obvious way, about our control of travel, about whether you're allowed to drive certain kinds of vehicles with certain kinds of emissions, whether it makes any difference whatever to our health, and what might be the reason that virtue signaling mayors of cities like Sadiq Khan, the Labour Mayor of London, uh, go about doing this when they clearly do not understand the science. Uh, My view is that it is about control, but it's also about doing things which make them look good, at least in the eyes of themselves and their small cabal around them. A majority of people in the London area who submitted feedback rejected this particular policy. So my first observation now before I introduce my guest is this. What's the point in having a consultation if you ignore the outcome? It's worse than that. The outcome was even loaded. Lots of individuals and feedback was ignored if it opposed the expansion of this emissions tax, while other feedback, which supported it, was given much more preferential treatment. And still, Sadiq Khan lost the consultation. We now find ourselves in the invidious situation in London where a mayor doesn't care what the majority wants. So arrogant is he in his position that he prefers to do what he thinks we need rather than what we pay him to do. That's a big problem when democracy does that. And it can lead to a social dysfunction between politicians and public. We shall return to this a number of times between now and May when he is up for re-election. The question is, are other candidates courageous enough to prove that they would serve the public? Or are we now presented with the problem of a lesser of evils? I'll leave that there for now because I want to talk about another politician who's had a bit of a hard time, and you've just heard that, and that is Prime Minister Anthony Albanese in Australia. Roughly this time last year, he was greeted with cheers when he appeared on the big screen at the tennis. This year, at a sporting event, he was greeted with booze. It's not 100% clear or confirmed why there's been a change, but a change there certainly has been. He tried to write it off as just something that happens, a kind of tradition. But we've discussed here on TNT the problems facing Albanese. Is it the fact that he's broken his promises on tax, for example? When British politicians break their promises on tax, they always pay a heavy price. Or is it because there's a lack of leadership, a lack of narrative to the Albanese government and his regime? I'd be interested to know what you think. 
if you live in Australia, tell me what you think. Perhaps you think he's a great leader. Perhaps this is just a flash in the pan, as he says himself, just a tradition where you have a poke at the prime minister because you can. Or does Australia crave something else, perhaps something a little bit more common sense? something which recognizes what many millions of people in Australia and the United Kingdom and the world over recognize, that if we worship at the false idol of environmentalism, we hobble our economies. That's really important for Australia because of the significance of energy and coal as an export and as something which can be used domestically. In my opinion, we face a situation where for no better reason than ignorance, the senior leaders in many Western countries in particular are now careering down a course which they collectively in their leadership echo chambers convince each other is correct, while the rest of the world sits back and laughs. China, Russia, India, all those countries in the BRICS environment, which don't seem to be quite so het up about environmental policy must be laughing all the way to the bank as they see the West destroy many aspects of its economic viability for no benefit at all. Perhaps Albanese was booed for fun, but there will be at least a few in the audience who are booing because he could be wrecking the Australian economy and handing the keys across the water to China. I'll leave that for you to discuss. Uh, put your comments and calls uh, in. You'll find all the details on the tntradio.live uh, website. Uh, and you can disagree as well. If you are watching, Prime Minister Albanese will put you straight through to the show. And I promise to give you 20 minutes. But maybe not just at this moment, uh, because we have a great guest coming up now, Paul Dacres. You'll hear all about him and the nature of corruption in the local government level. All of that with me on the Lemon Big Show, right here on TNT. Connecting the dots, painting the bigger picture. They always have great conversation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, continuing now, we are going to talk about something which is of great concern to many people, and that is corruption in politics generally, but also in local government. To set the scene, if you are in a political environment, it does give you a certain amount of authority, depending on the system and depending where you stand. But Politics depends on a high degree of probity, high degree of trust. When that trust is lost, then there can be a fracture between those people who are represented and those people who are in the position of judging those representation, those people uh, in charge. Uh, I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been a citizen and I've been a politician. And I've seen that while many of my colleagues were there for the right reasons. Some either came in corrupt or were corrupted. That's been at local government level and also at national. Paul Dacres has had front uh, row experience of this, but Paul, welcome to the show, first of all. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Can you hear me? Yes, very well. Thank you, Paul. Uh, welcome to the show. Sorry, Can we have something in common? We've, we've both been in local government. Where were you in local government? Elected as a district councillor for the Conservatives in 2007 in Huntingdonshire. Oh, right. That's the home of our former Prime Minister, uh, John Major, who always struck me as quite an affable sort of fellow. No, because he's moved out. 
Um, <laughs> I, won't say I won't say I made him move out, but the timing was remarkably coincidental. So, so first of all, um, tell me, why did you get, we'll, we'll talk about the actual corruption in, in a few minutes after the next break, but first of all, let's set the context. Why did you get involved in local government in the first place? Uh, two words, Tony Blair. Um, I'd seen him come into power in, in 97, obviously, and I'd, I just watched everything he was doing, and I thought, this is very wrong. Uh, and, and what was it specifically that you didn't like? Um, the, the, in, well, a lot of prices went up straight away because the budget went from one pence and two pence increases up to like 10 pence and maybe even 15 pence every year. Um, and he, he just started bringing in a, a lot of legislation, which I thought was just overburdening people and very unnecessary. And of course, there was the, the, the old question of um, immigration. Uh, so in, in your judgment, Tony Blair was doing such a bad job, you needed to go in and fix it yourself. Such a bad job, I joined the Conservatives, yes. <laughs> uh, and you obviously backed a winner because the Conservatives became the government initially in a coalition with my old discredited party, the Liberal Democrats in 2010, and then eventually with an overall majority, which led to a stonking result, a great result, uh, under Boris Johnson. So uh, you've backed 14 years of success. I didn't because I, I, I well, I would no longer vote, I don't think is, is the best way to say it. I, I tripped over an awful lot of missing money in my local council in 2008, so the year after I'd been elected. How long out of interest were you a councillor? Was, I did about two and a half years and then I resigned because I, I, was, um, I was very aware that no one was answering any questions about this, this missing money I'd found. I, I want to talk about that missing money in about five minutes. Uh, I was actually a councillor for five years up in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, which is a small, well, it's a quite a big city actually up in the north of England. I had a good experience, I have to say, uh, although it was run by the party that I wasn't in, which was the Labour Party at the time, I found that there was quite a lot of, of cross-fertilization in terms of commitment between the work of the Liberal Democrats and, and independents, really, like me. I was really an independent who happened to be a Liberal Democrat and, and the others. But uh, I, I can hear that you have a general sense of disillusion. We will talk about your case study in a moment. But as we talk today, will we learn that you are disillusioned with local government as a whole or the specific test case of Huntingtonshire? No, no, I, I think council managers now are ridiculously overpaid. Um, the taxes keep forever going up. Um, road repairs seem lax at best. So I, I don't really think any of them are doing a fantastic job. Mm. Uh, you're not the only one to say that. Uh, I'm having problems at the moment with Lambeth Council in London uh, due to a property I have there and they couldn't be worse. Uh, I'll just tell you this story. I really want to focus on yours. The ceiling collapsed on my property, which I own, uh, and it looked like it was water damage from above, which is a council-owned property. They have insisted that there is no leak. In the end, we sent a private plumber in who found the leak and fixed it in five minutes, but my ceiling's on my floor. And I wonder what it is about councils which make them so singularly 
capable of operating in an utterly incompetent way? Do you have an answer to that question? <laughs> I not to that particular question. I just, I just, with my dealings with them at the time, I, I found them to be very um, patronising. Um, they wouldn't answer questions. They wouldn't speak to people. So I just think they 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 give their best attempt just to block any problems and and carry on as a, as if nothing is wrong. Do you want to explain to us before we go to the break, set the scene, what do local authorities do? What are they responsible for in the United Kingdom? I mean, in, in general, your, your district councils, which I know aren't everywhere because I'm now living in Scotland and we have a, a very different setup. Your district councils are responsible for everything like um, keeping the, the parks mowed and, and emptying the bins. And then all your roadworks and stuff come from or come through county council. And uh, social services are also connected with uh, local authorities together with bin collection, that kind of thing? Services is not one I've ever dealt with, but uh, I believe they are in, I believe they reside in council offices, yes. I'm going to uh, take advantage of my position of, of, of presenting the show to, uh, to ask you a totally leading question. Uh, it is right to say that local authorities are not responsible for uh, uh, nuclear the storage or uh, deployment of nuclear weapons. Uh, that's right, isn't it? So when a local authority declares it a nuclear itself a nuclear free zone, it's probably rather fatuous. I, well, I do hope they're not responsible for anything to do with nuclear weapons, or some of the people I've had to deal with. Um, no, I've not. I've not heard that about that. No, no, I can't see. No, I, I think they're just. Last week, I also had, uh, I came across a local authority in Leicestershire in the middle of England, uh, which declared a climate emergency. I was thinking, well, okay, uh, like to see what you're going to do about that. Um, great news that you think there's a climate emergency, but are you getting the bins collected? That's what I was thinking. And are people still falling off their motorcycles uh, by going through potholes? But I'm going to stop whinging now. Um, to set the scene then, essentially your premise is that there's, corruption in local government and you have seen that at first hand um yeah about 25 30 years worth of uh, stolen taxpayers cash okay we're going to talk about that in just a minute if you want to uh, share your experiences i'll read them out as long as they don't get me prosecuted very happy to uh, to hear your views go to uh, tnt radio.life very keen to hear what you have to say about this in a moment we're going to hear his first hand account paul dacre's first hand account of the corruption that he has seen, 25 to 30 years worth of stolen taxpayers' money. That's a test case in a way, but probably reflective of things that have been happening all over the world. Stay tuned. I'm Lem Topic. This is the Lem Topic Show. This is TNT. TNT's Jeremy Nell. Nice comment here from Rebecca. She says, the youngest people um, I work with are a bit more mature, but their interactions with the public is stifled. And she's referring to the excessive use of cell phones and social media and how it's making them so antisocial also. The business is open six days a week. One of his staff members formally requested that they shouldn't, you know, that they could they be given permission not to have to work on Wednesdays so that they could help at the dog shelter. Now, as you know, I'm a dog lover. I have hunting dogs, I've got dogs coming out of my ears, my Malinois, and this dog, this Malinois, is bright even by Malinois standards. She can do crossword puzzles. Is lying under my desk at the moment, feeling sorry for herself 
because she's just come on heat for the first time and she's completely bewildered. She doesn't know why she's bleeding to death. It's not about whether it's a good or a bad thing to work at animal shelters. That's a delightful thing. It's a noble thing to do. But who in their right mind goes to their boss and says, would you mind? I'd rather not work on Wednesdays if it's okay because I've got other priorities in a, in a town down the road. Jeremy now on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. The benefits of advertising on today's News Talk TNT Radio should be clear to businesses of any shape or size. It can be accessed anywhere, anytime, by anybody and is the perfect way to build brand awareness and stimulate digital activity. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. It sounds really good. It's it sounds like, real, dude. Not bad, huh? This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to the Lembitopic Show. I've got about 40 minutes with you this Sunday morning, if you're in the UK, Sunday evening, if you're in Australia. Uh, lots of you commenting about local authorities. Uh, I'll go back to Paul Dacres for his case study in corruption in just a minute. Let me read you some of the messages which are coming in. Uh, uh, looking at the, uh, at the TNT uh, site here, uh, one is that uh, didn't Lambeth go bankrupt? That's Lambeth Council. I, I think that they've had financial problems. I'll have to check if they've been technically bankrupt. They're certainly trying to fill a deficit at the moment. Uh, 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 We've had Shug says uh, the entire country is falling apart on purpose. Uh, Holly says, need to decorate Lambert. Yes, I do at the moment. I uh, have all kinds of problems there. Uh, major criticism by hidden in plain sight of a whole bunch of prime ministers. Uh, not much good to say there about them. Uh, I, uh, we, Fat Chug, also adds, had to rebuild my fence after tree on council property, demolished it when it fell. Uh, Skippy says, councils employ monkeys. And uh, but they don't get paid peanuts out Skippy. Um, hidden in plain sight is offering me help now. I've fixed loads of silly leaks like that. Lambert should have given me a bell. I didn't know. I didn't know. I just I think I need to get some kind of a, a job share thing going on here. You could have saved me a fortune. Uh, criticism of apparatchiks from Holly. Um, Skippy adds because Fallout doesn't cross the borough lines in reflection to the argument that uh, uh, there is. Uh, a nuclear-free zone declared by a number of local authorities, particularly in the 1980s and particularly by, by the Labour councils, as I recall. And Malibite says the potholes are so big where he is, there are ducks in them. Mm, yeah, they are more like sinkholes, as someone else says. Um, Paul, we seem to have opened a rich seam of anger here, uh, Paul Dacres. You're not the only one who's unhappy with councils, including myself, I have to say. Tell us about the corruption that you discovered in your words. I, well, I, I uh, tripped over. Um, I, I became friends with someone who ran a catering outlet, and I uh, started to question um, the cash payments that were being made for these so-called trading licenses. Um, and very quickly, the doors were shut and the walls came down and no one was answering anything. And why do you think that was the case? Was it because they reckon they couldn't be bothered to respond to them? They thought they'd done nothing wrong, or was it because you came across something? Oh no, because I asked to see the accounts, and that obviously wasn't happening. Um, 
I gave them about two weeks notice and they said oh no but you can come in two days after that and I thought well that's that's not right at all and as it turns out a lot of these cash payments that had been being made by the, these traders basically had never hit the books so they'd just gone in someone's pocket basically um what let's take a step back from this what caused you to know to become suspicious in the first place um was, i think they tried to raise a trading license or something i, I forget the exact details of it now because it was it was about 15 years ago but i, I was asking the question i was saying well what, why is it all paid in cash for a star and and can we see the records and, and as it turned out there weren't any records so they were paid in cash for a job which wasn't recorded in any formal way no in fact one of one of the traders had actually paid in a check which is quite a funny story in some ways um and they said he hadn't paid and he, he went down there with his checkbook and his car bank card or whatever it was back in the day and said well look i've, I've paid here you know and apparently that turned up in the welsh waterboard and we never did figure that one out welsh waterboard which the is welsh waterboard had had cashed his check yes which was for a trading license in huntingdonshire <clears throat> so at least 100 miles away probably a bit more actually <laughs> a different country basically <laughs> yeah yeah so so i'm i'm mystified about what's going on here you've got people cashing checks in in different nations of the united kingdom you've got cash payments no records what's your theory oh well, i mean it was stolen this all goes back to john major's day um, and large amounts of, of it are covered on my YouTube channel, uh, which is just the Paul Dacre's channel. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was all it was all stolen. None of it ever hit the books. And um, quite a few council employees, when it came out, decided to grab their pensions and run out the back door, basically. And what was the nature of the scam that you revealed? How did it work? Um, it, it was just it was just it was because. Back in the 80s, uh, a lot of people tended to pay in cash because things obviously didn't cost as much and it was, you know, credit cards weren't quite what they are today. Um, so it, it was all going straight in, in, I don't know whose pocket, but there was a lot of people involved, um, purely judging by the resistance I came up against when I exposed it. Uh, what kind of money are we talking about? Um... I mean, it varies. In the early 80s, it started out as about £25 a year per trader. Um, but it, I think it was it was up over 1,000, I think, by the time it all came out in about 2000 and... Oh, I forget when it was now. Uh, 2008, yes, yeah, so, sorry. Was anyone... Before I go to that question, and how many traders were subject to these charges? Oh, numerous. It, it was effectively, if, if you owned uh, a, a trading establishment, uh, Burger Van, you know, on, um, which was on a, a sort of, um, what do you call it, formalised council road? I forget the actual term. Well, a, a, official, an official highway, presumably. Yes, yes, something's, something's not a dirt track. But basically, the council mm -hmm. have, have taken over and agreed to maintain. Was it? Dozens or hundreds of traders? Um, 
dozens in, in Huntingdonshire over, over I'd say, 25, 30 years. Um, I don't know where else it was going on, of course. That's, you know, I, I can't speak yeah. for other counties or... So it could be in the order of, say, forty or £50,000 a year at the end, or more? It, it's, it's an open number, as I say, because I, I don't know how many people were involved. I don't know how, exactly how much money was being taken. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, I, if one council's doing it, what's to say that others aren't? Mm-hmm. So you uncovered the... Uh, by the way, do you have an idea of how many officers or how many individuals were involved in the scam? Or do you have a, an estimate of it? Um, hundreds is all I can say. It was 50,000 a year. Mm, go on. It did, I mean, it, it was several years after I first discovered the, the theft that we, we only found out then that, that obviously all these people had sort of run out the back door and grabbed it. I mean, if I'd known that at the time, it would have been a very different story. So uh, let's say, on my figures, £50,000 a year. Let's say if there were 100 people, that's really only £500 a year each. Is it worth jeopardising their careers and being prosecuted for theft for that small sum? Uh, well, I have heard they called them secret bonuses, and uh, I think some of them did quite well out of it. So probably a, a sliding scale of corruption, let's call it that. Uh, and what did go on go on Paul um, no no I was just going to say I mean back back in the 90s certainly um, the people would always say I wasn't there at the time but people would always say their car park looked like a luxury car showroom so yeah. you can deduce your own things from that so you discovered these concerns you were stonewalled by the officials when you tried to find out more what did you do next after that i stopped paying my council tax because i didn't agree with giving money to thieves well that was certainly a proactive measure uh what happened then well that invited bailiffs and police and all sorts to my door and uh, involved many court cases um they invented a couple of charges of harassment against me i'd allegedly harassed the bailiff apparently um and yeah not once was i ever allowed to give evidence in court why not um i you know i didn't know at the time i uncovered this obviously that john major was involved and that's how high it went because he, he, at the time, lived in Huntingdonshire. He didn't live in Huntingdonshire for very much longer after this came out. Um, a judge, Sean Enright, he was a Crown Court judge, uh, stated that I basically wasn't allowed to give evidence in court. Um, there was another judge, Judge Chowdhury, in the county court. Uh, he, he sort of intimated that people shouldn't be allowed to inspect council accounts. And, yeah, it just went along a bit like that, really. What would be the rationale for not being permitted to inspect council accounts, public accounts? <laughs> well, I can, I can imagine because there was 25 years money missing. Um, mm. But the problem was, of course, it, was, it wasn't actually missing because they had no column for trading licences, um, which makes me wonder what else they didn't have a column for. Um, and when I, I informed PricewaterhouseCoopers, who were their auditors, and they were instructed to 
create that column, and I, I don't believe that PwC ever went back to check. And then you left. You Let me tell you, there's another important question. Did you find any allies in your campaign to expose this? Certainly not in public service. No, the council was against me. The police were against me. The CPS were against me. Um, CPS even, in fact, wrote to me on, on the, the week before one of the court cases and intimated the court case was cancelled. They wanted to vacate the court date, I think they said, and then they just went ahead with it anyway. Uh, that must have been quite frustrating. Oh, I was having kittens, mate. <laughs> I, I was mm -hmm. I was going absolutely I was tearing my hair out. I mean, it, it, you just couldn't get an answer from these people, and they just lied to you. And you know, it was just incredible. There's a, just I'll just tell you now before we go further. There's a, a very rich seam of debate going on about how best to get work people. I know it's slightly at variance to what we're discussing, but uh, it's about uh, people or individuals deleting bad reviews. Uh, about payments that have to be made. And uh, I think I'll have to read this after the show, everybody, because this could help me get my apartment fixed. Um, though I really think it is Lambeth Council's complete responsibility to do it, and I'll probably take legal action if they don't. Uh, Paul, uh, you were doing this two decades ago. Uh, do you, or oh, decade and a half ago, do you still harbour the intention to expose this in a legal and a formal way, talking about it here on TNT warns and informs the public, but are you still going to try and do something about this in a legal sense, or do you think that bird has now flown? All right, no, I, I approached a couple of lawyers, the, the treatment the police have given me. I mean, the police once detained me in the cells for an entire weekend for questioning the validity of the arrest. Um, they also took my phone, my mobile phone, without giving me a receipt and then lied about having to give me a receipt. So I'd, I'd started the YouTube channel by that point. I'm also now obviously on, on TikTok and Twitter. Uh, is this your, your primary occupation or uh, have you got any interest in local government and British politics, which we'll discuss in the next part again? I, do, I, is this, how, do, you, do you mean this is how I earn a living or...? Yeah, well, well, do you, yeah, well, no. What I mean is, is this a sideline or are you a dedicated campaigner now? Oh, I mean, the YouTube channel was started out of sheer desperation because I couldn't get anywhere on Twitter at the time. Um, but now, mm -hmm. no, I do this all the time now. It's, uh, I don't do as many videos as I used to, but I do spend a lot more time on Twitter than I used to um, because I've, I've gained quite a few more followers now. It's interesting that despite Elon Musk's best attempts, people still call it Twitter instead of X, perhaps because X is a <laughs> tiny bit generic. Uh, it's one of 26 very familiar letters in the English alphabet. Uh, there we go. Um, as one of my friends said, when I heard Elon call it X, I was inspired to say why. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'll return to this. Uh, uh, I'll ret ret return to the core theme here. In your experience, then, how has this left you feeling about how local government, I know it's a sample of one, namely yourself, in a council sample of one, namely Huntingdonshire. How has this left you feeling about the nature of politics in terms of 
local government in the United Kingdom? Um, I can only say I'd never, I would never trust the council again. I would never trust the police again. I would, I would never trust my local MP again. What was in it to the, for the local MP, a former prime minister, let's remember, and the police to collude against you? Um, I well, I heard, I heard actually last year apparently the police were taking bribes as well. So I, I don't know how much money they were they were coming out with, but I, I think it was a lot more than these trading licenses. Heady statement, heady statement. Uh, obviously, if the police well, want to. Uh, as, as I say, everything on. is on the Paul Dacres, Paul Dacres channel on YouTube, and also I'm at Paul Dacres 72 on TikTok. Was there's a selection of videos on there. I mean, I, they, they they came after me for years for all the wrong reasons, um, but not once have I've actually been touched for anything like um, libeling someone or anything like that. Hidden in plain sight states on the, the site, we need to take down the system starting at local levels. And UK listener says, Paul Dacre's cancelled, persecuted and suffered for speaking and trying to expose truth. Uh, a lot of conversation here about what you've said. And uh, uh, yes, we need to take down the fraudulent system. That's coming up again and again. And uh, UK listeners, Paul Dacre has suffered the highest price for truth. Uh, thank you. Uh, Hidden in plain sight ads as well. Cancel tax is fraud. And it's not tried in court. It's in their own courts. And it's only binding if you admit you owe and refuse to pay. Just say you need to ask where the funds are going. And Holly says, don't let them get away with it, Lambert. Well, Holly, I have been a local councillor. Uh, I wasn't perfect, but I got uh, re-elected with a big majority. And the only reason I stopped being a local councillor, which I actually probably enjoyed more than being a member of parliament, to be honest, was because I got elected to parliament. But I still think romantically about the days when I was a local councillor representing about 12,000 people in a fairly affluent, affluent part of a city in the north of England. Uh, and I, Paul, I didn't have the same experience as you. I guess things were happening, but it was very difficult to prove. And it certainly wasn't as blatant as what you're describing. Obviously, I don't know the Huntingdonshire experience from first hand, but it does seem like it was fairly blatant. Why did they get away with it for so long? Well, they were being protected by the police, in short. Um, the police appear to be their, their private bodyguards. Um, so you, you just can't get near them. And you, were, you, were you threatened then by the police? I've, I've not. Um, I mean, as I say, they once put me in the cells for a whole weekend for questioning the validity of the arrest. I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of threats online. I've had death threats and all sorts of things online. Um, but no sort of direct threats of physical harm from the authorities themselves. Okay, stay with us. I want to ask you, as a former Conservative politician, about what you make of the current political situation in the UK as a whole. Uh, you're listening to the Lembotopic Show. I'm with Paul Dacres, former Conservative councillor, disillusioned with local politics, says he's exposed uh, a degree of corruption. Uh, stay with me. We still have just over a quarter of an hour uh, to make some predictions and see the inside view from a former Conservative politician. The Tories are in trouble in this country at the moment, uh, predicted to lose the next election. Is there a way back 
Paul will tell us what he thinks. All of that on the Lempitopic Show right here on TNT. See you in a minute. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The cyclone that's in the north of Australia is kind of unusual for an El Nino season. That's because we have not really had an El Nino season this year in Australia. The Southern Oscillation Index, the longest running measure of the ENSO, or El Nino, La Nina, has not cooperated at all. And we knew this was a problem way back in the Northern Hemisphere fall and our spring because we weren't seeing a lot of typhoons. Usually when you have a big El Nino, you have a lot of typhoons going off and we had the third lowest typhoon production on record. So something funky was going on. However, that Southern Oscillation Index is going to crash for the month of February, which means that our fall should be average in Australia. Now, I'm bringing all this up because that crash in February is linked to severe cold in the United States and Europe for February into March. And we're seeing another ferocious storm attacking Norway now. A lot of heavy rain is coming into Europe over the next week. Now, the two times that happened, it turned frigid in Europe. Same thing is going to happen. Mid-February to mid-March will be frigid in Europe. You see all these storms crashing into the United States? Well, guess what? It's going to turn frigid in the United States. In fact, for much of the United States, the worst of the winter is on the way. And just think, it all hinges on looking at the weather around Australia. Isn't that nice? Hands across the water. Australia, the States, and Europe. Kumbaya. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. When a crisis hits close to home, and across the globe, nonprofits are on the front lines ready to serve, healing, nurturing, rescuing, protecting, inspiring. The work of philanthropic organizations has never been more important, and it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible. Thank you, the Nonprofit Alliance. This is the Limbit Opic Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Welcome back to the Lembert Opic Show here on TNT, the home of free speech, where we give you our opinions and the facts, but we never separate. We never mix up the two. We separate the two, uh, giving you the chance to draw your own informed conclusions. Uh, with me now still is Paul Dacres, an ex-conservative councillor in Huntingdonshire. Why is that significant? Well, for two reasons. He feels he's uncovered corruption there and also it was the constituency of a former prime minister of the united kingdom uh, john major uh, paul has said to us so far in this hour that he uncovered corruption to the tune of at least tens of thousands of pounds but he couldn't get anyone to act upon it instead he was threatened by the police accused of harassment uh, wasn't allowed to give evidence in court and a host of other things he resigned two and a half years after becoming a councillor uh, lots of comments in the chat let me just give you a few uh, hidden in plain sight says the police are private enforcement for government wef that's world economic forum lunacy and local corruption i just add that it's interesting when the police are used to uh, arrest individuals who, for example, were opposing the COVID regulations when in central London, but did nothing to stop Black Lives Matter and almost nothing to stop the environmentalists breaking the very same laws 
perhaps because they thought those were good demonstrations instead of bad demonstrations. We now, of course, know that they should have been in Downing Street arresting the prime minister because he was breaking the lockdown rules, too, and doing it in style. Uh, while his staff were bringing in suitcasefuls of alcohol uh, and partying, while the rest of the country sat alone and their elderly and frail relatives died alone. Uh, another point here, uh, Truth says, horrific corruption. Paul stood up to it and got arrested for it. Good on him. His conscience would not let him close his eyes like all others. Good man, a legend. And uh, uh, there are many other comments there as well. Uh, and you can see commentary about weather as well. Uh, we've just had a little comment about that. Uh, I have to say I tend to agree uh, that we have a lot of weather and a change in climate, and that's the way it's been ever since humanity first walked on the planet. Uh, Paul, thanks for staying with us uh, here on TNT. I want to ask you to look to the future. You were a Conservative uh, councillor. The Conservatives have been in yep. for 14 years now. They're facing trouble. What is your prognosis for what's going to happen in the run-up to the, what I believe to be, October or November general election? Um, well, I think they'll get wiped off the board, basically. I, I don't think, I think Labour will, will take a lion's share of the votes, but I think we'll see a lot of the, the smaller parties who don't have so many MPs and the like coming in as well. Uh, I think the Tories will be gone. Is that what you want or is that what you think is going to happen? I uh, know. I think Labour are just as bad, but that's not the point. <laughs> no, I, I just think you know they've 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 they've, they've just installed prime ministers. Rishi Sunak was never even elected as a prime minister. Um, Theresa May tried to sell us. It uh, was not wasn't Theresa May, was it? Um, was it? I think well, it was, had... Theresa May tried to sell sell us down the river to the EU. Um, Liz Truss was only there for five minutes. Um, but yeah, no, they've, they've just made a complete shambles of it all. You haven't mentioned Rishi Sunak, who's the current Prime Minister and almost certain to lead the Conservatives into the next general election. Actually, I think he'll be gone in March, to be honest. I don't think they'll want him in the run-up as, as the potential Prime Minister. Well, now, this is interesting. That's a minority view, uh, one which I wouldn't inherently agree with but I have an open mind why do you say that uh, they'll want a six month run so if you go from March to whenever that is what's that September October but they'll, they'll want a six month run with someone new and they'll be doing all the PR spin in the world I, I don't think they'll, they'll go with him though. that would suggest that you blame Rishi Sunak for the travails of the Tories and more than that it suggests you think if you replace the Conservative leader, then the Conservatives will do better. Um, no, I mean, I don't necessarily blame him for all the troubles. You know, he only got his job because he grasped Boris up for, for eating cake in the living room or whatever. Um, or, oh no, it was having wine and cheese in the garden, wasn't it, I think? Um, well, but, I think I, know, I would say slightly differently. Boris Johnson... Uh, was telling us all to be locked down and it looked like he was doing two things wrong. He was letting his staff run amok against the regulations in Downing Street itself, the home of Parliament, the home of the Prime Minister. And secondly, he looked like he was breaking the laws himself. Well, they all were, weren't they? They were all laughing at us. It was, you know, it was, I think it was after one, 
one news briefing, wasn't it? And they, they said, oh, we're going to have to extend lockdown. And then they, they said to someone, right, get down the off-license and get that suitcase filled full of booze. Mm. Yes. And uh, there was so much evidence of, as you say, the activity in the garden of wine and cheese, as far as I could see, and uh, the indoor meetings, more than one. Uh, Rishi Sunak claiming he got a penalty notice, but he claimed that he didn't realise, or implied he didn't realise he was in the party, but he didn't contest it. So I guess that went away quite quickly. Uh, so you just don't think there's a way back for the Conservatives under Rishi Sunak. If they were to replace Rishi Sunak, who should they replace him with who could do better? I, do you know what? I don't know. I mean, I used to know them all when I was still living down south. Um, well, certainly the whole cabinet. I'd, I wouldn't like to name names, but I think it would have to be, I think they're going to have to go down the Maggie Thatcher route and try another a female leader. So, Suella Braverman, she walked away in disgust from the, uh, from the government. Would she be a contender? Uh, uh, so I don't really know the major players as well as he used to, but I, I just think it would have to be a, f a fem female leader. I don't think so, Ella Braverman, no. Um, but then she's been disagreeing with quite a lot of stuff recently, hasn't she? Well, it's a fairly, in my view, fairly obvious strategy. What she's doing is agreeing with you, Paul Dacres, that uh, the Conservatives are currently sinking, and she's trying to get off that sinking ship. So she sits in the lifeboat next to it going, well, I did warn you. Now I can fix the party. That's what I think she might be doing. Well, again, it might be her, but this is on the speculation that I'm right in the first place and that, that Rishi will, will be gone next month. Mm. I, don't, I don't think he will be. And the reason I say that is because I don't see any party leader, with the possible and ironic exception of Boris Johnson, turning the fortunes of the party. And the reason Boris Johnson would do it is the same reason that Donald Trump's doing well, because he looks like an anti-establishment candidate, even though he was the establishment. What do you think? Oh, I mean, Boris, Boris Johnson is establishment through and through, isn't he? Well, he certainly, on paper, fits that bill. Post school, oh, post voice, speaks Latin. Um, I think it's him and, him and David Cameron, isn't it, that are actually related to the royal family? I didn't realise they were both related. I'm sure the royal family would love the world to know that on top of their troubles with Meghan and Harry. But <laughs> there we go. Then, um, okay, you think that the... Sorry, go on. Oh, no, I was just going to say something's tenuous, like fourth, his fourth cousin removed or something, but, it, you know, I think there's the, the, the connection's there. We've all got seven degrees of separation as far as I know. <laughs> there we go. Uh, the other question then would be, if the Conservatives are going to collapse, what do you make of Keir Starmer? Well, he's a bit wet, isn't he? <laughs> I no, I My... don't think. Uh, I don't Some know. would say I mean, that's polite. The Labour Party, isn't Some would say that that's polite. He's technically leader of the Labour Party, but he has said some things which have raised a few eyebrows. Uh, for example. Uh, he says that 99.9% of women don't have penises, which causes a question about how he worked, how he, what research he did, and uh, whether he's prioritising <laughs> the most important things. 
Well, so I important. mean, this is what I mean. You see, you see, David Cameron or Rishi, Rishi Sunak, whoever it is, trotting off to um, you know Ukraine or something, and then the next thing you know, Keir Starmer's off on a, a plane to Ukraine, and it just seems to me that they all sort of copy each other. Yeah, on pl uh, the, while telling us not to fly, they all fly off to Ukraine, where unless they actually join the front line, they're not really doing anything apart from a photo opportunity, as far as I can see. Um, that's the thing about Starmer. It's very hard to see what he would do differently. He supports the British uh, in massive billion, multi-billion pound investment in the Ukraine conflict, uh, and he opposes a ceasefire in Gaza. It just confuses me. I, I, I'm not surprised people call the Conservatives and the Labour Party the Uni Party these days. You're uh, familiar now with Scottish politics, and Nicola Sturgeon, who for those who aren't familiar with her, was the First Minister of Scotland, has ended up in very hot water, uh, first of all, in terms of some financial questions, and secondly, in terms of a handling of COVID. What's your take on how the Scottish nationalists are doing, and to what extent have they been damaged by revelations which seem to be very similar to the kind of criticisms that people have made about people like Boris Johnson and others in, in England? Well, they've all, um, shall we say, in inverted commas, lost these WhatsApp messages, which I think is utterly unacceptable. Um, for a start, that presumably was official government um, dialogue or conversation, so any of that should be on an open record, if you know what I mean. Uh, yes, and uh, when when you think about it like that, what do you think is going to happen in the general election? Because Labour really do need an overall majority if they're going to claim a victory. After all of the troubles the Conservatives have had, if Labour don't get an overall majority, uh, Keir Starmer will, will look like a bit of a loser, even if he does stagger into Downing Street. So he's going to need votes and seats in Scotland, I think. Will he, get, will he gain from the SNP based on the SNP's problems or not? Oh, I, I think, yes, um... Unfortunately, Labour will do very well, both in England and Scotland, because in England, everyone's fed up with the Tories, and in Scotland, everyone's fed up with the SNP. So it's, you know, the, it's a, a no-lose situation for Labour, as far as I can see. Uh, and uh, how is it going to play out for Nicola Sturgeon? At the moment, it seems to me she's just going to walk away scot-free. Scot-free. <laughs> see what I did there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well... That was that was Freudian. It wasn't planned. I have to say, I apologise for that one. <laughs> no, very good. Yes, very good. Um, no, uh, which one of these of them ever do actually get arrested or charged with anything? Is is what I want to know because I I don't see any. Well, uh, it does seem to me that there's a closed shop there a little bit where you can, as with Tony Blair, you can you can invade uh, Iraq on a false prospectus kill hundreds of thousands of Iraqi civilians and become a millionaire. But if you make a, an error like not wearing a mask, uh, or if you sit in a park too closely to a friend, then you get prosecuted. It does seem to me that we don't live in an equal society. Now, you're a former conservative, but do you think that we actually have got a, an equal society? Do we live in a democracy in your view? Uh, no, there's no democracy in this country. Um, you know, maybe you can say what you want down the pub to your mates, but as soon as you sort of 
question anyone in authority directly, uh, that's it. They, they crash the police station out and, uh, you know, all the alarm bells start ringing. Paul, good luck with your campaign. I hope that uh, uh, you'll eventually expose everything in an objective and unequivocal way. Uh, that's Paul Dacres in Scotland, who uh, has, he fought the court, he fought the council and the council won as far as I can see. Uh, but Paul continues the campaigning. Uh, what an interesting uh, three hours we've had. Uh, we've talked with Ben Walker, chairman of a political party in the United Kingdom, uh, who also shared with us his views, not just on uh, the United Kingdom's departure from the U- European Union, but also on military activity in the Middle East. We talked with Francis O'Neill and got deep and heavy into the question of whether we have uh, danger, clear and present danger to our freedom of consciousness from the technological uh, developments that we're living through. And we've got Paul Dacres, who's tried to highlight corruption in the council, but came up against closed ranks and a closed shop. Well, we've certainly covered a lot today. I'll be back next Saturday again. Next weekend, I'm hoping to have uh, an expert uh, witness, if you like, about the developments in Northern Ireland. Even if you don't live in the UK, this should be an object lesson on how to do it right. How to do politics without guns in a place where 3,200 people were killed in what are called the Troubles. That should be a fascinating set of revelations. I'm hoping maybe to get a a politician from Northern Ireland or the North of Ireland as well. No promises on that. And we have an absolute live wire climatologist who's going to explain why just about everything you see in the legacy media is rubbish. And he's also going to expose one fellow who isn't what he seems, but who is still being apparently protected by his station. Not TNT. It's free reign here. It's open free speech. I hope you've heard that today. A big thank you to my team in the studio, to my production team elsewhere, and to my guests. Biggest thank you to you. You've been so super today and yesterday uh, on the uh, chat. I'll be back uh, next week. Enjoy your week. Keep thinking freely and don't let them grind you down. This is Lembotopic right here on TNT. Have a good week.